Welcome to the Win Daily Podcast. It's Saturday. It is June 29th. We got a large slate. I'm Jason Mizrahi. We have Mark Paquette here. We're going to kick it off with the Baltimore game. We have the Indians versus the Baltimore Orioles in Baltimore. Um, this series has started off on a, on a hot take. Um, Baltimore put up an astonishing double-digit runs. Um, not too many people had them. Everybody was on different games. I don't think they're going to do it again today. You know, Plesak's been good as a young rookie, um, you know, stifling different lineups. Steve, Plesak is is semi in play um, in this midday slate here, but I think there's better options here. Um, Baltimore has been showing some signs of hitting. We're in a pitcher in a hitter's park here, so I'm going to avoid both pitchers here. On the backside of things, I think these Cleveland Indians are in play. Cashner is prone to the home runs. Um, we got the ball flying out to right right now. It's hot. It's it's semi-human. Mark, tell us about the weather here. Yeah, there's a chance of a pop-up thunderstorm. It is very warm in the mid-Atlantic and the East Coast. Humidity isn't to the oppressive levels yet, but yeah, that it's it's good for hitters. There's no doubt about it. Camden Yards is always good for hitters, but when it's warm, it's even better. Um, yeah, I mean, looking at Klesak, I know he was Dan Ware's uh, cash game pitcher last weekend, and that worked out for him. And I had written him up as a cash game option as well, just because... He is a good floor. Um, however, even with a good start last weekend, he only struck out two batters. So I think his ceiling's rather limited. What do you What do you think about Plesak here? Yeah, it's not the spot. It's really not the spot. We have a couple young arms that are coming in fairly cheap on FanDuel. Um, so that's where I'm going to go in this early slate. I don't think he poses enough value at 8,800 coming in as one of the most expensive pitchers. Of this early slate, so I'm going to stay away. It's too hot. Baltimore is coming off a great game um, on Friday night, so there's better spots here. From a hitting perspective, I like these lefty bats. So um, Carlos Santana, um, first base. You can get a nice stack here with Santana, Kipnis, Jose Ramirez, and um, Francisco Lindor. But at the same time, you got some cheap bats at the bottom of this lineup that make a lot of sense to me. You know, guys like. Bowers, Bradley, uh, Tyron Aquin, and these lefty bats. If you're looking for a one-off, you know, grab some of these cheap bats. No, nobody's really expensive outside of Santander and Lindor. Like Kipnis has been on fire all month for 3.3 at second base with some power upside. The guy's been hitting the cover off the ball. So I like these Cleveland bats for a stack. I like them for one-offs. Pretty much anybody one through seven in this lineup when it gets released a little bit later on, any lefty bats make a lot of sense to me. Um, Next game we got going on, we got Marcus Stroman pitching at home versus Kansas City Royals. Um, Holman Bailey's got the the on the mound for the Royals here. I'm going to stay away from both pitchers. I know Stroman's been better as of late. Kansas City is a team that I would like to attack with some pitching. I think he's, you know, at a moderate price. I think he's pretty safe for 25 to 30 points. He should get the win here. But again, you know, once you get to some of these later games, there's some value out there that that's poking around that make a lot of sense, but you now I won't hate anybody for playing Stroman here. I think at 7.4 on FanDuel, he's in line for the win. Vegas, you know, likes these Blue Jays against Bailey, and I think he gets you a safe 25, 30 points. But you know, Gordon back, Lopez, you got a couple of bats to deal with, you know, with Merrifield as well. Um, so I think there's a better spot that we can attack in the next game, but. At 7.4, I think Stroman makes a lot of sense. On the backside of things, Sogard 
having a, a career year for himself. Guriel just keeps hitting home run after home run after home run. So you got to keep him in play. And then a guy like Gavin Biggio, you know, at 3.5 at a, at a weaker second base position. He's batting in, in a cleanup spot most likely. He's got the splits against Bailey. I think he makes a lot of sense. So, you know, even a sneaky guy like Telez at the bottom of the lineup, he can make some sense. So I like some of these Toronto bats. You know, there's not one clear-cut stack that I can say I'm putting all my money on, you know, the Indians or the Blue Jays. It's a lot of stacks that are in good spots. So I think today, you know, in this early slate, you can look to, you know, be different in spots. Like, like I said, a guy like Telez at 2.8, you know, makes some sense. Biggio, 3.5 makes sense. Your favorite player, uh, Vladimir Guerrero, 3,100. He makes sense. Sogard makes sense. And there's a lot of spots here that make sense. Gary L. So I don't think it's a clear-cut stack from these early slates. There's a lot of good matchups here. So how do you view Strowman and, and these Blue Jay bats? Yeah, I was wondering when you were going to uh, bring up Vlad. Well, much like when we talk every Saturday, Jason, I, I like the all-day FanDuel slate. So... For me, I'm going to stack Colorado and L.A. again. I'm going to go right back to the well and do that again. Um, but if you're using the, the middle day uh, slate, like you said, yeah, th- there's different places you have to go, and no one's probably in a smash spot. So uh, you have to sort of like Stroman. I mean, he's done really well, but much like Plesak, I think he has a relatively high floor, but a, a also a high, a low ceiling as well, where he just doesn't strike out a lot of batters. I watched a little bit of that game against him on the Red Sox on Sunday, and he was fantastic. He kept the Red Sox off balance um, at Fenway Park in a day game when it was warm uh, against a good hitting team. I, I don't see why, any reason why he couldn't do the same today. Yeah, I think in cash games, he's in that spot where he's a trusted commodity. He's been pitching good all year. He might be even pitching for a job to get out of Toronto, so he might have some extra motivation. Um, and at, at, at that 7,000 range, I think for cash games, if you don't want to take a shot on the guy that we're going to mention shortly, um, I think he does make some sense for cash games. Doesn't have the upside potentially as, as some of these other guys at the price he's at, but I, like I said, um, I won't I won't be mad. I might even take a couple shares of him just in case um, Brendan McKay does not hold up to his pedigree versus Rangers. But, you know, with him being 5.7, we look at some of the stats here, minor leagues, 88 Ks and 66 and two-thirds. Um, guys are hitting one, 188 versus him as lefties, 147 versus righties. Now you look at these lefty lineup uh, that Texas likes to roll out, and they're not as strong against lefties as well. 1.81 ISO, you know, 28% K rate. This is lining up for a guy at 5.7K. If he doesn't come out with a bunch of nerves and he's stretched out and they give him seven innings, he's already favored to win the game at a minus 170. So the money in Vegas is on McKay. The stats, the pedigree, the matchup, the pricing, the value, everything's pointing the pitch in this guy and giving him a shot. Listen, in DFS, there's no guarantee locks. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're Max Scherzer, but we got to make, you know, some educated guesses here. We look at the research and everything's pointing to 5.7K. Just lock this guy in into your GPPs. I wouldn't have 100% ownership. Like I said, a guy like Stroman makes some sense. A guy like Eflin, if you want to take a shot on him, he makes some sense. Uh, but at 5.7K, I'm probably going to have 
I would say 60%, 70% exposure with McKay. Um, from a hitting perspective, I don't really like either of these teams. Uh, Samson has been better than people you know, give him credit for. And like I said, I really like McKay from a pitching standpoint. So anything you want to add about this, this rookie that you think is interesting? Well, I think it's fascinating that he's going to be a two-way pitcher, just like Otani. Uh, I mean, a two-way player. So this is the second guy in as many years that's followed that trend. Obviously, he won't be batting today with starting pitching, but the, the Rays have announced that he will be getting at-bats. So for those who play season-long, like on Yahoo, like I do, he's already listed as a two-way player where he, you can draft him as a, or assign him as a pitcher and a batter. So... I think that's fascinating. In terms of DFS, I think you covered it. He has a high pedigree, and with that kind of price, and as I already said, playing the all-day slate, I can go get every Coors bat that I want. So, And I only do one lineup, so that's risky, but I think I'm going to have McKay in my one lineup. Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, the matchup, Vegas, price, it's, everything's pointing to him. And the only thing that would get me off him would be ownership. But, you know, with these rookies, not a lot of people do research, you know. So, lucky for our listeners, we do the research for you. Um, you're listening in. And this is a guy that we're going to lock in to a lot of our games. Um, we've already been talking about him in our Slack channel all morning long. So, we're trying to get our users on McKay. It's tough to figure out who this guy is. Like, you know, if you're not paying attention, you're just scrolling through your FanDuel, you know, uh, roster. He's one of the last guys on the list. Nobody knows him unless you know, you know, you're following minor league stats or you're playing season long like Mark said. But that's what we're here for. We're trying to find those plays for you. And they will hit more than they they won't. So, you know, I like McKay here. And the next game now we have Eflin. He's priced up 9.3 against Yamamoto, who's been really good as well. Eflin is coming in as the favorite, um, even on the road. Miami's been... You know, they've been hitting it in some spots, but at the same time, they've been getting, you know, teared apart, you know, with the right pitcher here. So, Eflin, a little bit expensive. You know, I think he's, I wish he was priced in the 7 to 8K range. I'd get more shares. But, you know, he's got the, the, the best matchup on the board. He is going to be safer for cash games here. So, I think there's a spot to avoid all bats. Because um, Yamamoto and Eflin have both been, you know, pretty good. And Miami's not a great lineup to begin with. You know, Eflin's coming off a bad start against these Mets. But the Mets have been hitting, you know, swinging hot bats. But he's coming off three starts before that where he dropped 37, 49, and 44. So if you can get a 40 spot from Eflin and, you know, one of these other guys who are higher owned doesn't have a good game, I think it's a good spot for Eflin here. Um, you agree, Mark? Um, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Eflin. It seems like the Marlins against average or slightly above average pitchers, they, they, they're pesky. Uh, you look at what they did to Vince Velasquez last night. He wasn't great, but he wasn't horrible either. The Marlins are just pesky. The games that they are dominated by, you go look at Scherzer, you go look at Strasburg. Those are the guys that tend to give Miami a lot of trouble and dominate them. So yeah, look, look um, at the St. Louis the St. Louis series before that, Michaelis, Wainwright, and Flaherty went in there, and they had a good series against them too. So, like, I get your point. The price is what's holding me back at 9.3. That's what's really holding me back. Like you said, for all-day slates, doesn't make sense. There's better pitchers out there. But, you know, in his midday slate, I think he does make some sense for cash games. 
because um, his rookie can go out there and be super nervous, and we might not know what we're getting out of him. So, you know, I know there's there's some there's some worry there. You know, it's, it's not a proven commodity that can just come out, but you know, so I think Eflin makes some sense. I'm gonna have maybe like five ten percent more in my cash games or single entry games, and hope that you know ownership spikes on other guys and. He's forgotten because he's priced up. And I, I think he does make some sense, but you know I agree with you too. He's not—he's not the best pitcher. The Marlins, you know, tend to have some issues as well. So um, the next game here that we got to talk about is Minnesota at these White Sox. Um, we have Pineda versus Nova. Pineda has been better, you know, as of late. Not a guy that I'm going to pitch. Um, he's cheap. He's not going to be owned. And the White Sox do have um, some strikeout potential here. Can you get behind a guy like Pineda if you want to fade McKay and, you know, fade some of the other pitchers? Yeah. I mean, I think, as we talked about with Eflin, everyone else is a little bit priced up. Pineda being affordable would be a, a great option for me. As I just said, though, I, I'm, I'm going to go McKay and just take all the savings, get all the bats I can from Coors, um, Pineda has been better since return from the DL, I mean the IL now, and he looks like he's fully healthy, healthy and he's averaging 94 miles an hour on his fastball, so you got to like that, though. Yeah, I, I'm going to stay away. He hasn't been really pitching more than five innings a game, um, so it's a stay-away spot for me. I'm not against the play. Um, I can see him hitting value, but, you know, since he doesn't have the upside, he's not really stretching him out past six Six innings, you can't get those high, you know, GP winning games out of Pineda right now. But on the back side of this, you have Nova, who, you know, can get lit up at any time. You have some great bat options here with these twins. Um, Kepler's in play. Nelson Cruz is always in play. Um, you have Polanco in play. Crone in play. Uh, Snow's been swinging a hot bat. So I think. You know, for one of your early slate stacking options, I think the Twins come in as a very good option for a stack. So, you know, I think you can pay attention to the Twins here um, for a stack, um, and they make a, they make a bunch of sense here. So, I like the Twins, you know, for a stack, and I'm pretty much going to fade both sides of, of pitching here. I don't hate the White Sox, but I think there's better plays here as far as the White Sox go. Now, we have an interesting matchup. Of Castillo versus Quintana. Castillo's priced up. He's the most expensive pitcher on this early slate. 9.6 on FanDuel. Pitching in a in a hitter's park versus Quintana. I see a tough time paying up for Castillo. He does have the highest ceiling of everybody on the slate. That it's a proven commodity, not like a rookie. Um, he can go out there on any day and strike out 10 guys, but... You know, it's hot in Cincinnati. It's 90 degrees. Humidity is up there. You got bats like Schwarber, Rizzo, Baez, Bryant, Hayward, Contreras, and Gonzalez to deal with. I'm going to stay away. I think it's a little too scary to play, you know, Castillo versus Cubs at home. Um, what do you What do you have to say about the weather here in Cincinnati? It's warm. It's a hitter's park, as you mentioned. Uh, Castillo is walking over four batters and inning for the season. The Cubs are a veteran, patient team. This does not seem like a good matchup for Castillo. Yeah, he's too priced up. There's too much value on this slate. 
that you know I don't see a reason to go grab Castillo. But like like I, I'm going to remind everybody, don't be surprised if he goes out there and strikes out ten guys because the guy has more talent than everybody in the slate probably combined. Um, high nineties fastball, explosive arm, so he can go out there on any day. But you know I'm going to stay away. Um, Cincinnati though comes in as a what could be you know a, a sneaky stack here. Um, you got to find which bats you want though because. You know, you can maybe grab. I think the easy spots here is Suarez, way too cheap, 2700. He's cooled off, so I understand why fans will drop the price, but the matchup, you know, speaks for itself. And then in the outfield, you got the two guys you probably want the most of, which is Yasiel Puig, and uh, you want the rookie as well. So with Senzo and and Suarez and Puig, I think you got a nice little mini stack here. If you need value, which I don't think you're going to need too much of on this slate, if you go with McKay, a guy like Philip Urban makes sense. Maybe a guy like Jose Iglesias makes sense at a weak shortstop position. Um, but there's some other shortstops, you know, that we might want to take in Lindor and Trey Turner, which we'll mention next. But I like the Cincy Bats if you want to grab some value. What I'm going to do and what I suggest some of the users to do, there's not a clear-cut stack for this, this mid-slate of games. So what I'm going to do is stack a couple different options with a couple different pitchers. I'm not going to expose myself just to one lineup. I think it's a, a slate to go multi-lineup because there's not a course field game. It's not a, a major pitcher that I want to attack, but there are some, and I think Quintana's one of them here. So that's what I'll be doing. I will get some shares of the Cincy lineup as well. Um, now we have a game with Gregory Soto pitching at home against Austin Ball. Um, not too many people knew about Voss before his last start, but he went out there and pitched a great game. I think he's in play at 6.2. You know, I think McKay is in a better spot um, with a little bit more pedigree. But at 6.2, um, it's a close call between him and Pineda. So, like, between the two of them, I think they're both set up, you know, pretty well for the win. They're both going against weak lineups. They both have, you know, Vegas behind them, you know, as heavy favorites here. So I think Pineda and Voth, you know, makes some sense for GPPs. You know, we spoke about Eflin and Stroman. And then we got McKay, who's, you know, ironically cheaper than all of them with a lot of upside as well. So, you know, I don't mind the play here with Voth. And I think on the backside of it, I already made, you know, some lineups earlier. And one of the lineups I started with was a national stack for Soto. Um, it's pretty clear-cut the bats you want. You know, you want Turner, you want Rendon, Kendrick, Zimmerman, um, and Dozier. You know, you can even go with a guy like Robles, but he's towards the bottom of the lineup, 3.5. I think you start with Turner, Rendon, um, Kendrick, and Zimmerman here. How do you feel about a Nat stack here? How do you feel about Voth? Yeah, you got to like some of the Nats bats. Uh, Dozier is a notorious lefty masher. Uh, Soto seems to be a good call, even though that's a lefty-lefty matchup, matchup. But, yeah, I mean, Soto's not a good pitcher. Voth, you mentioned, was interesting. I know last Sunday I did the sort of the same thing I've been doing where I wanted to spend up for bats. And I forgot the Miami guy that I say. Oh, it was Philly's guy, Dele Santos. I spent up. Uh, I, I punted with, and I should have punted with Voth. But I had known nothing about Voth. But I wonder if he is going to have any ownership today because of his good uh, appearance last Sunday. I think it's going to be split up. You know, I think some of the smart money uh, is going to be on McKay. Then I see, you know, some people with recency bias will grab Voth. 
You know, they're playing Detroit. It's a pretty, you know, cake matchup. And then I think some people want the upside with Castillo. They want the matchup with Eflin. They want the somewhat of safety with Stroman. So I think it's going to be pretty spread out. Uh, but it's, it, like you said, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. Um, the last game in this early slate is an attackable spot here. I think it's kind of going to be left alone uh, from a hitting standpoint. But Iran has not been great. Steven Matz has not been great. Um, they don't match up well against the teams that they're facing here. I'm not pitching either of them, but I like some of the bats here. Alonso's been playing against anybody for the rest of the season. The guy is a beast. Um, even righty-righty matchup, I still think he comes in as one of the best plays you know, at first base position. But, you know, once you go a little bit deeper here, I think Acuna and Riley, you know, have a great matchup against um, Matz here. And I think a guy like Conforto or McNeil, you know, can do damage against uh, Tehran. So, you know, I think from a mini stack perspective, you know, from the Mets standpoint, they're going to go low owned. I think you can line up McNeil, Alonzo, Conforto, or maybe Dominic Smith. I don't mind Cano or Frazier as well for some power potential. And then against these, you know, against the Mets, Acuna, Swanson, Donaldson, Riley, um, and, you know, Freeman's playable against anybody as well. You can stack these Braves. You know, it's hot in New York. It's going to be 88, 90 degrees here as well. So they're in play. You know, the Braves see a lot of mats in the recent past. So they know about them. They're not going to be too worried about them. So, yeah, I like the Braves here as well. So that completes the, the early slate. Uh, Mark, what do you want to say about Matt's Tehran, these Mets, the Braves? What do you got to say? I don't have access to this data right now, but if you or if our users can, um, Tehran has market splits day and night, home away. I believe he is much better at home and much better at night uh, historically throughout his career. So that would bode well for Mets bats if that's the case today. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the home is where you want to take Tehran. Right. Uh, he's not so good away. I'll check the, the, the day, night, you know, when we get off the pod. Um, but, you know, just to round out this early slate, I'm going to have my shares of McKay, um, and he'll be my highest own uh, pitcher in, in my games. Outside of that, I'll have maybe a couple Eflin shares, a couple of Vought shares, and that's where I'm going to round it out. From a stack perspective, I don't think there's one clear-cut stack. So I'm going to try to, you know, enter lesser value games and make more lineups uh, going into the Saturday midday slate. The teams that I'm going to be stacking will be the Indians, the Blue Jays, the Reds, Washington, Atlanta, and the Mets, and Minnesota Twins. Outside of that, I'm going to fade the rest. So I'm going to try to get, you know, some mini stacks, some maybe a full game stack here or there. But, you know, for the most part, that's how that early slate is breaking out. Uh, we do have a late slate. We do have a course game slate um, that we need to talk about now. So let's get into the late slate. Um, it's a short slate. We can get through it really quick. It's going to start in Milwaukee with Lyles versus Woodruff. Uh, Milwaukee's been letting people down from a hitting perspective the last couple of days. So I'm hoping that ownership drops here. And I think this is a time to, to hop back on the bandwagon. You've been mentioning cores a lot. I played them the last two nights. I love playing cores. But, you know, you can't play them every night. And 
You got Kershaw going, so he's gonna, you know, he's gonna limit some damage. He's a professional pitcher. It's not like it's his first time going out there. So I think, you know, there's gonna be a little heavy ownership on cores. So there will be some spots where you'll you can differentiate. And we got Lyles coming off uh, an injury here. Milwaukee is a hitter's park. I kind of like these Milwaukee bats to go under-owned. And if you don't know by now, Christian Yelich is very good at baseball. You want to grab him. You got some lefty power here in Moustakis, Grandal. Thames is starting to heat up, too. So if you can get a mini stack of Grandal, Thames, Moustakis, um, along with Yelich, I think you're in a good spot. Uh, Hero is back up. He might get the start as well if you need some value here. So I really like a Milwaukee stack. Woodruff is in contention here. I think um, you can pitch him. I think he comes in as a decent value. Pittsburgh has been swinging hotter bats of late, so he does worry me a little bit. I don't think there's a clear-cut must-start pitcher, so he's been really good. Um, he should get the win here. So he's someone that you got to take into consideration for your pitching. How do you feel about Woodruff? Do you think he's a top player of the slate? Do you take into value, or are you going to pay up you know, into to other spots? Woodruff is, a, is the Brewers' best pitcher. Uh, there's no question about it now. The problem I have here is, is that the Pirates, over the last two weeks, are striking out at a lowest 14% rate of anyone in Major League Baseball, and it's not really close. The Pirates don't strike out. So if you're on FanDuel and you need those K points, he's not a good option at that price for me. On DK, where strikeouts are devalued a little bit and it's more about clean innings, he's a better option, but it's still not perfect because he's coming off a 12-strikeout game against the Reds in his last start. He's not going to get 12 strikeouts today. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. So now let's get to the infamous Corge game. I don't think, you know, from a, from a shootout potential like we had the last couple nights, I don't think it goes as high as that. You know, I think Gray is a better pitcher than the last couple guys that Colorado threw out there. And I think Kershaw is, uh, you know, more professional of a pitcher, a more established pitcher that knows how to make some adjustments here to limit the damage. I'm not by any means saying fade cores. I definitely want Dodger bats, but I think you might be able to fade some of the Rockies bats um, on the back side of things. So I don't know if I want to fully attack this game as much as I did the last two nights. You know, I had no problem playing um, Arenado yesterday. He was a lock in all my lineups. And he, when you look at the matchup here, you know, he's faced, the Rockies a lot. So you do have a, a larger sample size. Arenado 16 for 55 uh, with three home runs. Charlie Blackman is almost identical. 16 for 53 with two home runs. Um, other guys here, Murphy 8 for 25. Ionetta 8 for 29. If Mark Reynolds gets a start, he's 6 for 36. Desmond is 7 for 42. Um, so... I don't know. It's a tough game to peg. I don't mind grabbing some some Rockies bats. Like an Arenado would be the first guy I would, I would take in there. Desmond is cheap. You know, at 2.9, I think a lot of people are going to gravitate to some cheap exposure there. But, you know, I'd rather grab these Dodgers bats. I'd rather grab... I know Bellinger let me down last night. Uh, he let other people down. 
but Peterson, Verdugo, uh, Turner, Belgium, Muncie. Um, BD is a guy that I'm going to start taking less and less shares of, but he's cheap. He hasn't really produced that well, but, you know, in cores at 2.8 with the platoon spit, you can't really be too upset about, you know, his position here. So Muncie, Bellinger, though, like look at Bellinger. Again, small sample size. We're 8 for 11 versus Gray. Muncie, 3 for 6 with two home runs. So, of course, you want these lefty bats here um, against them. But I wouldn't mind a guy like Turner as well. So tell me why I should be stacking these Rockies, though, because it seemed like, you know, early on we were talking and you said you're doing a full game stack. I know it worked the last couple of nights, but you really want to attack Kershaw? I, I don't, I'm not pitching Kershaw, but attacking Kershaw – with a full stack, are you? Is that is that your plan here? Yes. Let me ask you two questions. Is Kershaw the same pitcher from four nope. years ago? Nope. Nope. Is Ryu better than Kershaw this year? Uh, yes. Better this yes. year? Yes. Better yes. recently? No. But the the answers to both those are no and yes, and so. It doesn't matter, of course. I'm going to take the lower ownership of Rockies bats. That's what happened last night. Very few people were on Arenado. No one was on Blackman. He was my first take. He, at Coors, that guy is dynamite. I don't care if it's lefty-lefty. Give me lefty-lefty Blackman every day and twice on Sunday because the ownership's going to be lower than what it should be. I'll sign Blackman up as my first choice in the, in the Rockies tonight. Uh Kershaw is a veteran pitcher. He's pitched there before, but his stuff is not nearly what it was four or five years ago when he was the best pitcher on the planet. You go into cores with mediocre stuff, you're going to get knocked around. So you, you're going Blackman Arenado. I'm not going to. I'm not going to yep. dissuade you from that. I, I will pit. I will probably try to get Arenado in. I had him 100% of lineups last night. I didn't have Blackman. Um, I love Blackman as a player. So. I can get behind Blackman Arenado. Where are you going outside of that if you're going to stack the rest of the Hampson. I can grab one of these cheap guys Hampson. like Malika, Hampson, or... Hampson. He was robbed of two base hits last night. That should have been a three-hit night with about four or five RBI. This guy, since coming up from the minors, is just swinging a different bat. He knows there's no Brandon Rogers or Ryan McNan or, obviously, Trevor Story looking over his shoulder. His shortstop position is here. His, his for the foreseeable future until story gets back and he is showing remarkable confidence i believe in three of his last four games if you take away last night's he's got multi-hit efforts with extra base hits sprinkled in there i'm starting my lineups with blackman arenado and hampson all right all right i like the stats to, to back up the call here um it's interesting though because like i said i think i think the rockies will have Lower ownership. I'm interesting to see what Milwaukee has because they've been swinging cold bats. And then in his next game, you got probably one of the best matchups again on the board. Um, you got Verlander versus the Mariners, which I, I would love to take Verlander. I would love to find a way to pay up 11.5 because there's not too many pitchers here that I really, you know, I'm in love with. And then you got Kikuchi, who just gets raked. You know, on the road, gets raked by righties. And what does he have to face? He's got to face Springer, Altuve, Bregman, Garriel, White, Marisnik that are all in line to go out there and mash him. And if you look at Vegas, Vegas got, you know, from what I'm seeing right now, they got the Dodgers at six and a half runs, the Rockies around five and a half, the Brewers around 5.7 or five and a half. And then they got 
these Astros that's over six. You know, they're close to six and a half. So Vegas is saying the best matchup is the Dodgers and the Astros here. So it's going to be a very interesting late slate. I love these righties. Kikuchi's going to get rocked. Um, the Astros have been cold, though. That's the only thing that's holding me back slightly. But you can't take recency bias in. And Springer's had a couple good games recently. Bregman's had a you know a great season overall. So I think this one, two, three, you know, start for these Astros might, you know, it's a tough, it's a tough decision. Like, how do you, how do you decide between these Astros, the Dodgers, the Rockies, and the Brewers in such a short slate? There's four really good teams with really good matchups. You know, to decide between the four of them is going to be, you know, where you win and lose money. I think again. A great option is to say, listen, I want guys from these four games. I can't make one lineup with all all of them um, as far as stacking goes. So just mix and match. You know, instead of playing one lineup uh, with, say, 50 bucks, play five lineups for 10 bucks each. And I think that's a good way to put it. Verland is in a smash spot here. If we can afford them, let's take them. Um, but it's going to be tough to pay up 11.5 if you want these bats. Um, you think the Astros come back here? And start hitting again. You make some great points. Uh, Springer being back makes that lineup much different. Um, he obviously did very well in his rehab starts, and he's come back. and, and It isn't taking care in the cover off the ball, but against a mediocre lefty, Springer is always in play, and and so isn't really Jose Altuve. Um, I mean, I guess the problem is, is you know how I feel about cores, and I'm going to have trouble fitting anyone else. In my lineups, uh, then tough, those, man. That, those two teams. So I understand what you're saying. Um, I guess the tiebreaker here for me is Minute Maid is not nearly the hitting part uh, that Coors is. Um, sure. And they're, they're completely middle of the pack in terms of uh, runs allowed and home runs allowed when normalized park factors. And Coors is obviously off the chart. So I think that's my tiebreaker there. It's tough, though. I, I find it tough. Like, you look at the second base position, like, I would automatically want to play Muncie. Yeah. But then you have Moustakis and Altuve. At third base, you know, I would like to play Arenado, but you have, you know, you have Turner there. You have Guriel there at a discount. At shortstop, you know, you have Bregman, and then you have Chris Taylor, and you have the, the guy that you mentioned, Hampson at value, and then the outfield. I need like 10 spots for my Alfia players right now because Bellinger is the first guy I want in. We haven't even talked about Trout yet. Then you got Yelich, Springer, Verdugo, Blackman, Desmond. There's so many good bats on a short slate because these matches were so juicy. It's going to be a tough little slate to kind of make decisions on. Like Usually you have to look around for guys in good spots. Everywhere you turn, there's guys in good spots from these four teams. So it's going to be a tough little slate. Uh, to decide, and then how do you make a decision? Look, Verland's in the best spot. Seattle's not been hitting good at all since after the first two weeks of the season. Nobody has the pedigree of Verlander that's actually still pitching well this year. So how can you get to Verlander? How low-owned is Verlander, Verlander going to be with you know all these bats in play? <coughs> What what do you think? What's Verlander's ownership today? Yeah, all great points. I mean, it, it does make set up for a, a fascinating late slate or 
in my case, on all day slate. Yeah, Verlander will be low on because everyone's going to spend up for bats, and he's very expensive. But as you mentioned, the Mariners are not a good offensive team. And about two weeks ago, they traded away their best offensive player. So I, you take Verlander and cheap bats come through, that's how you're going to win GPPs probably. Yeah, Verlander goes out there and drops 60, yeah. and everybody else is in the 30-point range. And there's a lot of bats here, so... Very, very interesting slate, you know, when you start thinking about pitching, too, because, you know, Woodruff versus a hotter Pittsburgh team in a better ballpark to hit in, it's, it's a tough decision, but 11-5 is really expensive at the same time. Another pitching option that we can, you know, look to would be Zach Greinke, um, 9.5 going into San Francisco. He's going in as a favorite as well. Um, Drew Pomerantz. I don't know how he's doing it, but I've seen him, you know, make some people money in GPPs as of late. He's been, you know, pitching, I guess, better, you know, more respectable. Um, he's coming off a start where he pitched at home versus Colorado and dropped 42. And he's got two recent starts where he had 36 versus Milwaukee and Los Angeles. But in between there, he got blown up by the same Dodgers one time. And he got lit up by Baltimore, you know, in Baltimore as well. Um, so I don't know if it's a safe play in Pomeranz, but you, you're going to need to figure out some value plays. And if you want to grab all these bats, I guess, you know, Pomeranz makes some sense. I'm not really worried about Arizona uh, too much from a hitting perspective. And as far as um, Pitcher's Park, you get that marked off at 6.6. If I was going dumpster diving, he'd be the only guy I'd honestly be looking at. And everybody else is way more expensive than I like, you know, in Woodruff, Granky, Verlander. Uh, we'll mention one other guy that makes some sense, or maybe two other guys that make some sense, but it's a tough call here at pitching. Do you have any love for Pomerantz at 6.6? It's the key that you mentioned is that a lot of those blow-up starts from Pomerantz have been on the road. Oracle Park uh, – is a miracle in terms of pitching. You can be a veteran crafty lefty like Pomerantz says, get the guys to hit the ball in the air and it stays in a park. Um, in many other parks, it's off the wall or over the wall for home runs. Um, Pomerantz is interesting. I mean, he's probably, again, I'm just being selfish here and looking at my all day slate. He's probably safer than McKay, but he, he may not have, the upside. Uh, it's an interesting call. In terms of Granky, certainly has a high floor. I mean, he's he's a veteran, crafty righty that just knows how to pitch. He's not going to get blown up besides his first start of the year against the Dodgers, and he's going to keep his team in the game, and I expect him to do the same thing tonight, especially against the poor-hitting Giants team. Yeah, I think Granky Woodruff, um, they're pretty much identical here. Um, Woodruff has a better chance, I would say, at the win. But, you know, Granky's probably a little bit safer just due to the fact that he's not pitching in Milwaukee versus these, these Pirates who've been swinging hot bats. So I think they're, they're pretty much identical in risk. Um, I think they'll come in, you know, very similar ownership. And I don't think anybody's going to gravitate to Kershaw um, or anybody below or in that, you know, Pomerantz range. So it's going to be an interesting slate. Um, the next game, which I believe uh, is, you know, an interesting spot from a pitching perspective. You got Chris Paddock pitching at home for St. Louis. 
St. Louis has been really struggling, you know, against righties. Paddock has been up and down, up and down. This is a spot, though, I think he can excel at if he gets a longer leash here. He has, you know, he has the pedigree for some ceilings. Um, he's got a 58-point game, a 66-point game, and a 46-point game. So he's another guy who, you know what, he's in contention here. You know, at 8,100, he's going to see some ownership for St. Louis at home. I think he's very interesting. It's really going to come down to lineup creation of where I stand. You know, I think Woodruff, Granke, and Paddock is would be how I rank them um, as far as, you know, overall, you know, projection. But Paddock is coming in $1,000 or $1,400 cheaper than the both of them. So if it comes down to me needing some extra money, you know, I might just take a shot and roll with Paddock. Um, I think they're both interesting. Hudson here, I'm going to stay away from. You know, if I was going to pick a guy from this, you know, from this game, I would pick Paddock over Hudson. And none of these bats make any sense to me. I'm going to stay away from both these bats. It's a pitcher's park. You know, I really don't want, you know, much from this game outside of the pitching. Hudson's been good, though. So, I, you know, I see ownership spread so wide when it comes to pitching in this late slate because there's not, you know, this automatic value guy like McKay that we can just, you know, sprinkle into our lineups. So it's going to be tough decisions all around. So I think Paddock is the better play than Hudson, but I also think Hudson is in play for a, from a low ownership perspective. Um, do you like Paddock here at 8.1 if you were to play the late slate? Yeah, I kind of feel, sound like a broken record here. Uh, Hudson, very high floor, safe floor, not high floor. Let me say limited ceiling, doesn't strike out a ton of batters, keeps the ball in the ground, doesn't give up a lot of homers, keeps his team in the game. Paddock is an interesting story with his demotion to the minors, basically to save wear and tear on his arm. The Padres are extremely careful with him, and his agent is making sure of that. I believe that's Drew Rosenhaus. But he would be shocked if he gets over 100 pitches. That being said, he can be very effective in 100 pitches. He is very good at home. All his high fantasy point starts have been at home. And like you said, St. Louis is not a team that's scaring anyone right now. If you look for any bats that could damage uh, Paddock, you look to the left side of the plate, and who do they have that is scaring you from the left side? Oh, Matt buddy. Carpenter is having a really bad year. Is there anyone else from the left? No, Jose buddy. Martinez? No, uh, he's no. not a scary. So Paddock's in play. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, last game in a slate, two pitchers I really don't want anything to do with. Um, bats are going to be low-owned here. I think everybody gravitates to cores. I think people gravitate next to the Astros and the Brewers. And this game is going to be somewhat forgotten. Um, it's going to be the, one of the last games ringing off. You got two lefties going against two power righty lineups. So, again, just like Kristen Yelich, this guy Michael Trout is really good at baseball. Now you, you have him faced a, you know, facing a lefty here in, in somewhat of a smash spot. He makes a lot of sense. You got Upton as well. Um, I know Otani doesn't have the splits. He's going to be very, very, very low owned. Uh, probably not a guy I'm going to go to, but he does make some sense. You know, at shortstop, you got Marcus Semyon. That's going to go low owned. Same thing with Fletcher and Simmons. Um, Matt Chapman is not going to be owned at all. Um, I don't believe he's 3,700. So there's going to be spots here if you want to be different. 
I see this game as a potential shootout um, at very, very, very low ownership. There will be some value spots here when these lineups roll out. Maybe a guy like Kana um, will get in the lineup here. So there's different places you can go to kind of build your lineup out with this late hammer that both sides of this are going to be very under-owned. I do like um, the Angels a lot more than I do like these athletic bats. But, you know, like I said, from an ownership perspective, nobody really is going to be touching this game. So if this game turns out being, you know, an 8-10 to 10 game or 8-7 to 7 game with some home runs, and you're picking some of their cheaper bats here, you might be able to go up and get Verlander. And that difference between, you know, the Rockies might finish, you know, 10-8 as well, but the pitcher that everybody has to take to get the Rockies bats might be, you know, a lot cheaper and in that case might not end up putting up a game like a Verlander game or maybe a Granky game. So it's a sneaky spot. You know, I'm not going to – they won't be in my first lineup or my second lineup or my third lineup, but if I get time to build out a fourth and fifth, this will be a sneaky spot to grab some Angels and even some Athletics. Um, how do you feel about it, Mark? Oh, well said. Interesting philosophy. I mean, that's a way I'd never really looked at DFS. Say that your bats score the same at Anaheim as they do in cores, then it's all about your pitching. And, and that actually, by doing the math, that makes perfect sense. And you're right. There's loaded cheap right-handed bats up and down uh, the lineups on both sides. I mean, if you look at the A's, Chad Pinder plays every day against the lefty. Kana, as you mentioned, um, Chris Davis isn't priced up in the industry for the amount of power he has. I mean, there's all sorts of bargains. And then the other side, um, yeah, not really known as a powerful lineup, but David Fletcher and Upton, like you said, he's come back and just hitting the ball, especially against lefties. There's, I like what you're saying here. Yeah, and, uh, and you know, I just look just to look. You know, I don't. I just, you know, we're talking, it's it's open airs. I just wanted to look at BVP because I know Skaggs faced this lineup, you know, plenty of times before. And look what I see. Chris Davis, 9 for 21 with four home runs. Pretty impressive. Marcus Semien, 10 for 24, two home runs. Um, you know, a couple other guys here, Pinder, 4 for 14, um, Kana, 4 for 17. But those two bats I mentioned first, maybe, you know, they face each other a lot. So there's a larger sample size here. I'm telling you right now, Chris Davis will be forgotten. Same thing with Semin. He will be forgotten. There's bats in these earlier games that people are going to want to have. So I think the athletics and the Angels coming very sneaky. Um, like I said, not my, my main lineup by any means, but I will make a lineup with some athletics and some Angels, whether they're sprinkled in with a, a Dodger stack or they're, they're played as one-offs in certain lineups. I do think there's a spot here that makes sense to grab a couple of these guys at very, very low ownership. And it's an ownership play, and it's it's a sneaky play. Like I said, not for my first item, but I think it makes a lot of sense. So just to recap, you can find a way to get Verlander. He's the best pitcher in the slate. If we drop down from Verlander, I think, you know, Granke, Woodruff make a lot of sense in that second tier. And then in that third tier, uh, Paddock. Hudson and taking a flyer on on Pomerantz, you know, hoping he gets the 30 points and the win somehow. I think that's where we're going. From a stack perspective, you know, we both like the Coors game. You know, we don't have to really explain it again. Um, but Milwaukee is in a smash spot if they can start heating up. 
The Astros are in a smash spot. And then from a low arm perspective, I really like this Angels Athletics game. So that's where we're going. Um, if you follow us on Twitter, our premium members are, are starting to win some money. They're, they're following more and more of our plays, our cheat sheets um, that me and Wes Anderson have been putting out, have been hitting, helping all our users, our writers, our whole team, you know, started really, you know, hitting their stride now where they trust us more. They're, they're taking our plays and everybody's winning money, which is a great feeling. You know, it gives me more motivation and Mark more motivation to keep doing what we're doing. So check out the website, windailydfs.com. I don't think there's much concerns of weather, but uh, anytime you have any questions, hit Mark up on Twitter or just, you know, follow us. And what you really, really want to do is be in our Slack channel. You know, for $19.99 a month, you'll be added to our Slack channel. You get all the premium tools, the projection models, the sports betting articles, uh, the premium articles like the cheat sheet, but you'll get access to us directly in Slack. You know, my wife's not too happy about the Slack channel, I'll be honest, because I'm on it all day long. Um, but I'm able to answer everybody's questions. So when somebody tells me, who's this guy, McKay, I can spit out within a second what I what I know about him, you know, what I know about, you know, this red stack and early slate. So that's what we're doing in Slack, and it's been really successful. We're really teaching people, you know, how to mold these lineups, how to, you know, build around ownership, and a lot of different, you know, expert-level stuff that, we can't really put in an article because we need to explain it um, and that access, you know, pretty much 24-7. We have guys in L.A., we have guys in New York, we have guys in the Midwest. So, you know, I wake up at, you know, 7 o'clock in the morning in the East Coast and people are still talking from the night before on the West Coast. So a lot of conversations are happening, which are all good things, constant communication back and forth. So everybody's getting better. And for $19.99 a month, it's a no-brainer to sign up for you know, our premium access and get access to all these tools and all these minds, you know, 24-7, 365. Uh, we hope everybody has a good Saturday. There's two main slates to, to deal with, and we gave you all the info. The info is going to be, you know, up with a lot of articles to follow. And, you know, hop in our Slack channel to sign up for the membership, get in our Slack channel, and we'll we'll prove the value back to you. It's a couple of Starbucks coffees, you know, at $19.99 a month. So get in there, and let's have a good Saturday.